Right now, we're seeing a couple of key trends. The, you know, two big ones out of the top of my head are they're really moving to sort of better integrate their on-demand and linear channels, yeah. right? So they all have they all have both. And then the second trend that we're seeing is we're calling this sort of the push to quality. Hi, everybody. I'm super happy to have today with me Alan Walk, co-founder of TV Rev and a media analyst uh, since a long time. I remember I met him in Amsterdam for an event before the ABC in whatever, 2015 or something like that. And he was already a very well-established media analyst. And I was a, a guy coming from sports broadcast and streaming. And I learned a lot. And I started following weekly. Hi, Alan. Hey, how you doing, Carlo? I'm good. I'm good. So tell me a bit about Alan first, maybe TV Rev a bit, and then we're going more uh, deep diving stuff. Okay, sure. Um, can, I can start at the beginning. Um, I spent the first part of my career in advertising. Um, I was a copywriter and creative director, actually, oh. at a bunch of big agencies and boutique agencies, Ogilvy, J. Walter Thompson, BBDO, um, and... At around, gosh, in the early aughts, um, I was working on IBM and they wanted to do something about blogging. And I said, oh, I should probably try writing a blog. <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about. And blog took off. Um, I'd written a piece called Your Brand Is Not My Friend about how people shouldn't think of brands as their buddies on social media. It took off. Started getting asked to do consulting gigs on social and entertainment. Um, somebody came up to me and said, hey, HBO needs to figure out social television. It's a year-long gig. And I was like, okay, it's not going to get better than that. Jumped, yeah. um, did that, um, and learned a lot. That was, those were the days when it, Facebook would literally hang up the phone on executive vice presidents at Facebook and say, no, we don't talk to brands. Click. Um, HBO <laughs> was smart enough to also understand that at that point they could get the Sopranos Facebook group back from somebody who owned it by giving them a box set of DVDs. Remember those? And oh, a yeah. Of James Gandolfini. But in another six months, it was going to be all that plus $20 million. So they're like, yeah, we, we need to get on top of this. Um, did that for a while and was working a lot with a company called Kick Apps. Um, Kick Apps. Yep added social functionality to websites. Um, they needed somebody to explain how you could make money off of that. And that was my gig. Went on board there and they got bought in about 2009, give or take, by a company called Pixel, which was building OTT apps. And this is right around the time when OTT was moving from being a very niche thing to being something that major media companies were interested in. Yeah. They said to me, hey, you know, do you want to be our head of strategy? And if I had learned one thing in advertising all those years, it was how to become an expert in anything in just three months. So <laughs> um, I joined. Um, nobody knew anything, which was good. And we were building apps, which was even better. Um, did that for a couple of years. And that that whole industry was sort of not going anywhere. There's a lot of VC money. Prices were dropping. Anyway, I left and I wrote a book about the television industry. The book was called Over the Top, How the Internet is Slowly but Surely Changing the Television Industry. And that title has proved to be very yeah. accurate because I wrote that book in 2015, which is about nine years ago. And a lot of the changes are still happening slowly but surely. Yeah. Um, to my delight and surprise, the book was featured in a cover story in the New York Review of Books, which is pretty, yeah. pretty 
crazy. Um, it was compared to a book that Michael Wolf wrote. Um, Michael Wolf, who does all the Trump bios, yeah, 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 yeah. liked mine better. So that launched, you know, that really launched a consulting business. Um, I worked with MediaLink for about two years. That was a great learning experience. Um, still talk to those guys a lot. And then we launched TV Rev. Um, it was through a group called Brave Ventures. TV Rev was sort of the thought leadership piece. And then we took it, um, my partner, Jason Damana and I took it and made it into business a couple of years ago. And that's where we are now, where we do analysis, we do special reports on topics, and uh, we do content marketing, we do webinars, hosted dinners. We got a whole business out of it based on our thought leadership and providing an opportunity for other people to share their thought leadership. I mean, too often companies write really smart stuff. It sits on their corporate blog where nobody sees it. They give it to us. We put it out there. We've got over 50,000 people on our newsletters and we've got about 300 plus 300,000 plus on social media. So it's been a good business. Um, along the way, um, I coined a term that has become very popular. Um, yeah. Do that. You know, it's just something I always do, make up goofy names. And at the time, we were calling all the SVOD services Flixes because they didn't have, if you remember, they didn't have names. It was like yeah, yeah. It was Disney Flix and HBO Flix. And we're like, okay. And then there's this other weird category, Pluto and Tubi and Zumo. And like, yeah. they're not the same as Hulu because they're free. So free ads are yeah. became fast. Started calling them the Flixes and the Fasts. And then <laughs> Fast just took yeah, I, I I remember that article. I have to say, uh, yeah, if you're not the inventor of Fast, you the you're the guy that gave the name to Fast. Yeah, and, and I remember that article because I I started crafting strategies for my previous company, and everybody was yeah, but it, and I saw it like I don't know. Let, let's let's go, and then I tell you my opinion on Fast at the beginning, and now it yeah. has evolved. But tell me the story of Fast as you see it, especially bring me to today. I mean, not go not too fast, but bring me to today from where you started. Okay, so initially Fast was you know. Tom Ryan from Pluto was actually, he, 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 we can generally credit him for inventing it. Um, and at the time, they were just basically taking, the idea was that, you know, there were all, there's still a lot of television out there for streaming. You know, at this point, Netflix, Amazon, and Hulu had bought up a bunch of reruns. There's still a whole other content, a lot of other content out there. Let's take this, let's put this on TV and monetize it very much in the way that cable worked back in the day, where it's like, Here's a bunch of reruns. We'll throw ads up against them. We'll create a good user experience. There's a lot of heart for this. People like lean back TV. So you sort of had two ways, like Pluto leaned heavily on the notion of linear channels, although they did also have Ava. Yeah. Tubi went the other way. Tubi was mostly Ava. They had a lot of movies as well as series. Um, but in both instances, and then Zumo was in there and had sort of a combination. In all those instances, People really liked it. They're like, great, this is free. I don't, you know, it's stuff that I, you know, that I sometimes I want to watch because I loved it when it was first on, or I'm, you know, I'm doing something else and I like having it on the background because it's just comfort food TV. Um, and mm. it's very similar to Cable's evolution because Cable yeah. was very un undifferentiated when it launched. And then slowly brands started coming out and introducing original content and just sort of establishing identities for themselves. Now, what really changed the fast market was not those three guys, but rather um, Roku. So Roku at one point said, hey, 
you know, we should do this too. Let's launch a free stream, you know, free service off of Roku and we'll make advertising one of our business pillars rather mm. than just selling devices. And that's Roku channels, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The Roku channel. And that was a huge, you know, that was a huge thing because it, it did start getting traction. They did start making advertising dollars. They're able to sell advertising to other people and get all the data around. This was a big thing. Um, seeing that Samsung, LG, and Vizio, yeah. uh, possibly in that order, I don't remember, I'm not sure, but they all said, Hey, what a great idea. We should do this too. Um, and they did, and they were very, you know, it's been very successful for all of them. Um, and there's a whole smart TV ecosystem around fast. And in a lot of ways, what they do is very different than what say Pluto and Tubi and Zumo do. And let me sidetrack. Click back yes. to the screen there that Pluto, Pluto, first Pluto was bought by Viacom, then yep. Tubi by then Tubi by Fox and Zumi, Zumo by Peacock or NBC by NBCU. And um, you know, so they became affiliated with major media companies and became a wheel of those. Um, and they, you know, they function as their own separate apps. Um, what's neat about say, you know, Vizio Watch Free, LG Channel, Samsung TV Plus, is that it really became the the, you know, the centerpiece of the interface when you turn on the TV. It's front and center. And so it's a very different experience. So it's like, hey, you get free content right away when you turn on the TV versus the others are more like some app-based experience. They, they function more as an app store, sorry, using a yes. digital native terms, right? They're yes. an app store for channels, but they're also the first thing, and they also trick a bit the interface to push whatever they want. Sometimes, like with my yes. Samsung, uh, and they they're immediately available, right? That, yes, that's a bit exactly. the difference. Exactly, yeah. and then you know, and then you have which was you know, sort of the coolest evolution in some ways is you know Amazon rolled out Freebie, which they kind of yeah. you know hide in Prime, but it is its own service. And they had a show that was, you know, they, well, actually they had a show that was nominated for an Emmy last night, you know, yeah. duty, James Morrison was nominated for best actor. And that's, you know, the first time the original content on a fast, you know, made it that far. And I believe that the weird Al Yankovic movie, which was on Roku yeah. channel also got a nomination, I believe for writing. So that was, that was, you know, fast is coming into its own right now. And yeah, they're all evolving, you know, Right now, we're seeing a couple of key trends. The you know two big ones out of the time I had are they're really moving to sort of better integrate their on-demand and linear channels, yeah. right? So they all have they all have both, um, and you know the services. And when they bought the rights initially, they weren't sure how any of this was going to play out. So they may have had rights for linear for one and on-demand. Yeah. So they're making it more seamless, which fits in with the user experience, right? If I am watching something on a linear channel, I go, oh, I really like this, but you know, I missed the first three episodes, make it easy for me to go back and watch Absolutely. The, yeah. the whole thing. So that's easy. And then the second trend that we're seeing is we're calling this sort of the push to quality, where initially mm. they would just take anything, you know, they were launching, they yeah. would just take anything they could get. And right now they're looking to get, you know, sort of just get better quality shows, more popular shows. And we're seeing that the major studios, you know, HBO is selling off Westworld to the fast. So we're starting to see, you know, more name properties. They're branching out into live programming, into sports. So they're really, you know, like I said, like with cable back in the day, they're really coming into their own. My initial reaction to fast was, oh, this is a step back.
we're going back. I saw it in a, in a going forward way, is if you think of cable, is bringing cable, uh, if you want, forward into streaming. But in yeah. the end, especially the trend that you mentioned now, uh, I don't know if, I don't want to create a new name, but interactive fast. So it's fast, it's linear, but then I, it's also VOD when I need. Yes. Will it be, and, and basically, which is what Sky in, in Europe, for example, with now is doing. Now you have uh, the channels and then the VOD. Will right. not uh, convert to one, an hybrid solution that is the same for everybody, or you think there will be still, you know, fast and SVOD, uh, SVOD separated? Well, no, so, so there's, so one of the things, as you, as you well know, that I was talking about is, is, is everybody has different, different definitions for things. So there yes. are fast channels, which is the linear, but then there are yep. fast services, right? So Pluto yes. is fast service. Watch TV Plus is a fast service, but they both have linear channels and they have on-demand, often of the, yes. of the same shows. So fast yeah. is really anything. The, the defining factor of fast is that it's free, right? And, and yeah. ads for yeah. And when these companies sell the ads, they don't differentiate. They don't say, hey, want to buy it on our linear channels and want to buy it. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's all the same. So I think we're going to see a lot more. You know, that's what we're going to see more of where it feels, you know, more like Netflix, more like where, you know, where it's just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a consistent service or more accurately, more like old school, which is funny, old school cable where you could watch stuff yeah. on demand and you could watch stuff linear. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, absolutely. That's, I mean, that's a fascinating thing in and of itself. How, how, if you remember, if I can go off on a tangent. Um, no, the, no worries. Back in, back in the day, like when you and I were first getting into this, the whole <laughs> thing is they wanted to do TV everywhere apps, right? Because what, what, yep, what was absolutely. Netflix? Right. What was Netflix's big secret sauce was that at the time was like, oh, you can pause in the living room and then three hours later pick up the show where you left off in the bedroom. That was huge. Yeah. And that's all consumers really wanted. But all of the networks were like, no, no, we're going to be the net next Netflix. We're going to be the next Netflix. We need to you know, do our own app. And had they left it, had they just let the MV cable companies, MVPDs do TV everywhere, they wouldn't have lost all the affiliate fees, which are, you know, billions, tens of billions of dollars that are out yeah. And oh, well. Yeah. You know, the, the, the linear channel has a huge advantage that you can distribute it easily. Yes. Right. So you package your somehow and, and then it's easy to say to most, almost every platform, do you want a linear channel? When you put, obviously you can distribute VOD content as a single piece together. But right. as you start creating, you know, an application or as an experience about, and which is possibly one of the bigger, biggest issue I never found a solution for. How do you like, you know, NFL Game Pass. So we moved to sport, which is my next subject. Uh, NFL Game Pass went from being a direct-to-consumer uh, NFL app to into the zone. But it's not that the product is not unfortunately the experience, right? It's the, even if the brand is great. So the difference is uh, they didn't sell the, the rights to the zone. They sold, if you want, the brand and the product of NFL Game Pass. But they didn't sell a, an asset in the end. I think that's the, the problem with putting an experience on top of video, basically. Um, but the question is now, how you see the sports streaming market evolving? And then maybe we will talk about what happened last weekend uh, at, the, at the end. But in general, where do you see sport going? And I understand US and Europe, I see at the moment a bit diverging, to be honest. 
Right. But, well, I think sport, I mean, sports is so, a couple of things are happening in sports. One, the four big U.S. leagues, right? Hockey, basketball, football, and baseball are aging. And they're having trouble finding a younger audience. Now, we always divide sports fans into the USA. There's sort of two big buckets with a huge amount of overlap and gray area between them. Yeah. There's what we call the ESPN fan, right? That's somebody who's happy to watch a basketball game so long as it's a good matchup. They don't really yep. care who's in it. You know, it's a good game. They'll watch it. And then there's the Celtics fan, right? The person who only cares about the Boston Celtics and they will watch a basketball game so long as the Celtics are in it. And they tend to watch something that in the U.S. is called an RSN, a regional sports yep. network, which Clear. has every yep. game. And the RSN... Bolly Sports in Clare. I know the story. I was there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so they've been having... Those guys have been having trouble sort of figuring out, making the move to streaming, finding their yeah. audiences and all yeah. that. They were all propped up by the old cable system where you had yeah. to take the package. In other words, if you were an yes. RSN and you... You know, you you could say to a Comcast or a charter, hey, if we're going to strike a deal with you, we have to be in the basic in your, you know, your every package that you sell. Yeah. Yeah. So when they move to streaming, that goes away. So they have to figure out, well, how much will fans pay? Will a diehard pay, fan pay forty, fifty dollars a month for access to this? What else can we do with it? So there's a lot going yeah. on. There. So I think that's one one piece of it in the U.S. The other is that other sports are become at the same time other sports are becoming more popular. So you have yeah. that's a niche area that you're going to see some on the fast, some on the you know other streaming services. You know whether it's track and field or lacrosse or even I know Pluto had you know had televised the, the CrossFit Games. So there's a lot of stuff that's going on. That you know, there's an expansion of sports, and it's a great move for everybody because it is mm -hmm. a, you know, it's a live event that keeps people on, lets them sell more ad dollar, you know, more ad space. People want mm -hmm. the ads during sports, and at the same time, it lets them they're able to promote their own service. So if you know, if you're Peacock, you can you know, you can say, hey, check out these other shows that we have that you probably didn't know about. So, mm -mm -mm. and in terms of. Uh... The, the big leagues going, uh, so then we can discuss a bit MLS, Apple, but the big leagues going direct, like NFL Plus or NBA app, what, what do you think about that? I Is think there like a, a side move or uh, it has a future? No, I think it's, I mean, it's a good move, again, for a certain type of fan. Like you're not going to get most football fans to buy the NFL thing, but you'll get a, a good hardcore, and those people are really valuable to you, and they're monetizable, and they'll pay insane sums of money. For something like that, the same thing, you know, with basketball and to an extent baseball and hockey. Um, what's happening in sports, though, now in, in the in the four big leagues is they're all striking deals with various streaming services, mm -hmm. um, taking bits and pieces and putting them all over the place. And that is pissing the hell out of the <laughs> fans because they're like, oh, my God, now I need to subscribe to all these servers. I can't find the games. I have to subscribe to all these services I don't want to subscribe to just to watch the game. I don't know how to do it. Um, you know, it used to be with cable. That was what I paid for. I was happy to pay $100 a month because I knew I could get every game and it was all on the program guy and I could find it and I have to go to Google. So that's a real danger. I mean, you know, they will lose certain, they will lose, they will obviously not going to lose every fan, but they're going to lose certain fans who just see this whole thing as a money grab. And it's just like, you know, the hell with you. I'm going to watch something else. But do you think so? So again, which fans? Because 
Yeah, even in Italy, you know, what we obviously soccer is the, the number one sport, like by far. They always say, oh, we're going to live in the end. Uh, yeah. The problem is when they cannot afford that. That's a real problem. But otherwise, yes. it's, uh, it's chit chat and then you're, you're still yeah. it, it's well, yeah. paying. It's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Young, though, you lose younger fans who don't want to have to pay all this, who can't, you know, who yeah. just sort of become cynical. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, you already have that. Like, like, you know, they have to sort of think about the other stuff that's going on. Like, say, take the NBA. You know, mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times I have heard from people. I feel like my team is a brand new team every year because, you know, they're constantly getting traded. You've got, you know, five players on the court. It's not like, you know, either football, like European or American, where, you know, you've got a big enough team where if you trade a couple yeah, players, yeah. it's not a big deal. And there's this sense that there's not, you know, that the fans come last. And I think at some yeah. point, you know, over, not in the next year or two, but over time, it sort of builds up. And you so it's a fading loyalty, you're saying. Yes, the, effect exactly. be, the effect would be a fading loyalty. Right. Yeah. And and with younger fans, too, because they have so many other options. And yeah. they also don't have the, you know, the desire to sit there and watch for two or three hours. So yeah. that's something. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to someone that told me recently, it's not that they don't love sport, but they don't want to consume it the way our generation did. So yeah. it's a different it's a different way of consuming a passion, if you want. And yeah. what do you think about the MLS and Apple, which is very different from what you describe now, right? Do yeah, you see no, a future in that? Yeah, very much. I think it's a, I think it's a smart move. Um, you know. They do, you know, it's, it's a way, it's very, it's very odd brand for Apple because, you know, in the U.S., soccer has a slightly upscale kind of Apple-ish kind of, you know, it's a European yeah. thing and all that. <laughs> um, and, you know, so I think it's very, and I think, you know, again, it's a younger audience would be interested in it and it's just smart for them because it, it allows them to get ad revenue. Like Apple doesn't, Apple doesn't like to talk about how they have ads, but they have a huge ad business and, you know, for their apps. And they run ads during sporting events. They run ads during mm -hmm. their baseball games. They run ads during their soccer games. And that's it's a huge thing for them. Yeah. So to close off last week, drama about NBC, Peacock, the NFL, the playoffs. Tell me your straight opinion at the end of it. At the end, sorry. I think it was, put it straight, I think it was great promotion for Peacock. It got people talking about them. At the end, maybe there were a couple of fans who were pissed off, but I think most people went along with it. It wasn't a whole lot of money, so they subscribed for a month and then churned that, you know, churned out. They don't like it, but it was also a chance going back to something I was saying before for Peacock to go, "Hey, look what the look at all these other shows we have that you might like." So I think for them, and that that was a huge win. Yeah, I was one. Uh, I, I published a video yesterday thinking, okay. There's a lot of criticisms of spending 110 million on a game, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But on the other end, that same money would have bought them two seasons of halftime show at the at the Super Bowl, 50 million yeah. each. The app Apple paid. Would it be better spent that way? <laughs> at least debatable. No, yeah. if you compare, or I think it's like 15, uh, 30 second slots for the Super Bowl, and again. Maybe, but uh, yeah, you know, when, when you spend money in a pure advertising, um, I don't know. So I think it will take time to understand that the churn will make the difference or yeah. the brand awareness sometimes. Right. And I think with them, they really did need brand awareness. They were always that sort of, you know, like like all the other streaming services got a lot of noise. You know, they, they had a rocky start because they were they had been, if you remember, they had been counting. Yep. 
on the Olympics and the Olympics didn't happen and all that. So I think for them, just like getting people, Hey, they're here. You know, we're here. We're here. That was, that was huge. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Oh, what a journey. (laughs) So, um, maybe we i'll see you at nab uh i think yes yeah i should uh, be if there. not before if not um, before well I'll, uh, be in, I'll, follow. I'll be at mipcom in europe if you'll be there in april okay okay good good well bene thank you for the long chat alan and yeah. uh see what happens in fast and beyond <laughs> prego <laughs> ciao grazie yeah.